0: The world is on fire. When survival starts to feel like an accomplishment, you know it's time to go to higher ground, to get off dangerous roads and onto paths that lead to a new destination, to a place where we can see what's going wrong and fix it, or better yet, build something new. I'm Asma Malik with the Atkinson Foundation. This is 2062, beyond a cartoon future for millennial workers our third series on our Just Work It platform for podcasts and live events about decent work for and by millennials. In the heat of this moment, I'm listening to people who are showing us what's possible. They're lighting up the economy and restructuring it to generate more opportunity and wealth for whole communities, not just a few individuals. If you can't get your head around the idea of a better economy yet, wait until you meet Ted.
1: I'm Ted Howard. I'm the co-founder and president of the Democracy Collaborative. We like to think of ourselves as a kind of action-oriented think tank, Mm -hmm. um, doing a lot of research and theory and policy, but also a lot of on-the-ground work around the question of how do we build a more democratic and resilient local economy and communities all across the United States and indeed around the world.
0: Ted has been working for decades on ways to make the economy work better for everyone. He says equity is the superior growth model. This conclusion drives what he does in the US, but that's not where he first came to see economic growth in this way. I guess where I
1: really tapped into the impact of local economies on the livelihoods and the lives of people I was not in the United States, my home country, but in the 1980s, I worked in an international NGO, non-governmental organization, and lived in India for about two years uh, in what was called Bombay at the time, Mumbai. Seeing the innovation and the courage, and you know, if if you think about cooperatives in the United States, if you have a cooperative with a couple hundred members, that's a big deal. In India, you have cooperatives with hundreds of thousands of members. So to see this, how to how to build a new kind of economy at scale in that way, really had a big impact. And when I was done with international development, I decided to come back to the United States and bring some of those lessons back into our economy. And in some ways, that was the genesis of my organization, the Democracy Collaborative, what I learned outside the United States. You know, one of the unfortunate characteristics of my fellow citizens is we like to think we know everything about how the world should Mm -hmm. work, and if the world would just listen to us, we'd all be better off. Mm -hmm. I think there's such wisdom out in the world That if we can open ourselves up to it, whether it's from India or the Basque cooperatives, the worker cooperatives in Spain, or uh, native indigenous people in countries, whether it's Canada or the U.S., and bring it into our own economy and our policy and politics, we'd all be a lot better off.
0: Getting the economy to be more democratic and inclusive instead of extractive and exploitative means a massive shift in power. That's not lost on TED. He's watched how power works up close and has analyzed who has it, what it looks like, how it operates, and how to share it fairly.
1: If you look at power in, let's take the United States, in a kind of hyper-capitalist economy of that sort, where power really resides is in who owns and controls the assets or capital of a society that that is what leads to political power, is the ownership of assets and capital. And as you start to grapple with that lesson, and then you see things like in the United States, three men, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, and Jeff Bezos, own more wealth than the bottom 50% of Americans. That is an extraordinary amount of power, not just for those three, but for the general 1% that owns really controls the United States economy, and therefore controls its politics. So I'm all for good people being elected over others. I was a pretty big fan of President Obama, can't stand President Trump, and yet wealth inequality continued to go up under both of them. So it's not simply electing people, and we can have better policies, but it's not simply that, because the concentrations of wealth and power push back against those. Even if you can get a reform passed, they they gut it and, and it doesn't have any impact. Ultimately the lesson I've learned is we need to talk about who owns the economy and that's at the very heart of our system. So if we want different outcomes, if we don't want more wealth inequality, if we don't want more racism, if we don't want more climate change, we have got to look at how the economy is structured, who owns it and, and go in and design it at the very heart of it, not along the peripheral edges.
0: The economy can seem frightening and mysterious, moved by an invisible hand that rewards self-interest and consumption. What if we thought of ourselves as the economy's owners? Would we tolerate a system that produces benefits for a few at the expense of many? Or would we change it? If you're like me, once you see something in a new way, you can't unsee it. You have to do something about it. And when enough of us see things in a new way, history proves that we can make transformative changes.
1: I think the big win in the United States would be what I would call it, to democratize our economy. Now, that's no small thing because, you know, I mean, that's like living in Pharaoh's Egypt and getting rid of that and having something new. You know, that's a huge system or the Middle Ages. Now we're living in a new kind of system and we need to move beyond that. But, you know, what we have in the United States, we have the middle class, the working class, being hollowed out and falling behind, let alone 50 million people in America who are trapped in intergenerational poverty. I'd love to give you a simple answer, like, Mm -hmm. well, if more people worked in cooperatives, that would be better for them. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I was involved in Cleveland with something called the Evergreen Cooperatives, and we now have hundreds of people getting living wage jobs, benefits, profit sharing, they're owners of their companies, It's a fantastic thing for those people and their families and their neighborhood, But I'll tell you, we could have a thousand evergreens all over the United States, and the trends would keep going the wrong way. We might hold back the tsunami that's coming a little bit, but it's still coming. So the win is going to be that fundamental redesign. This historic, what Martin Luther King called, bending the arc of history towards social justice. I believe that despair, or giving in, that's, um, that's a luxury that we can't afford. Giving in to our critics, that's a luxury that, um, that we just can't give in to.
0: I've never thought of despair as a luxury. Some of us give in because we don't have the privilege to see or do things another way. That feeling of desperation is legitimate. Still, I've seen many people whose very existence is threatened by the economic system, staring down despair time and time again. A favorite author of mine, Arundhati Roy, puts it plainly, the people who created the crisis in the first place will not be the ones who come up with a solution. Only when more of us band together have we ever been able to see things differently and build enough power to bend that arc. Ted says we start to move from feeling powerless to powerful when we get real about the status quo?
1: First, we need to do our job to really be clear with people, what is the cost of this economy? Yes, the president says the stock market's up, although not today. Um, the gross domestic product's up, everything's booming, except look what's really happening in the lives of our communities. Mm. So people need to come to terms with, it's like we need to delegitimize the current system. Mm. It's, we need to show the emperor has no clothes. So that's the first thing. But that's not enough. Then we need to lift up the inspiring innovations and models that are taking place in communities all over, I'll speak about my in the United States, where very courageous, innovative people are no longer waiting for someone to come save them. They're starting to do the things they need to build their own future.
0: We've met some pretty courageous and innovative people in Canada too. They're putting corporations and extractive industries like Big Pharma and Big Oil on notice these big players do not own the economy and can no longer operate as if they do.
1: They've all tried to roadblock us at every step, but the greatest limitation we have is our own sense of who we are. We don't see that we're the actors who can make history. We don't see that we need to get our vision bigger, mm. that we can really do something profound. You know, someone once said, it's easier to imagine the end of the planet than it is to imagine the end of capitalism.
0: Well, that's a mic drop, Ted. At Atkinson, we work with people who believe that inaction on income and wealth inequality is unimaginable. They're rewriting the rules of the economy where they live. They're community coalitions leveraging billions of public infrastructure dollars to create jobs and apprenticeships for those who don't usually benefit from capital projects. They're municipal employees using their purchasing and hiring power to create economic opportunities for workers from historically excluded communities. Their community and labor partners, leading a just transition to a green economy for workers and a low-carbon future for all of us. They're small business owners, creating succession plans with their employees to establish co-ops and social enterprises when owners retire. All of us are part of a growing movement that's taking ownership of our community's economic future and saying no to business as usual. You can be a part of it too. Check out the show notes for this episode to learn more, get connected, and start lighting up the economy where you live. Thanks for listening. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Asma Malik, with production support by Eva Vojnijescu and Nora Cole and executive producer, Pat Thompson. Follow us on Twitter at AtkinsonCF and on Instagram at JustWorkIt underscore. Subscribe to our Just Work It platform on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud and Spotify so you never miss an episode. Your positive ratings and comments ensure other people can find us. Don't miss any Just Work It event invitations and news by signing up at justworkit.ca/subscribe. We love hearing from you. Get in touch with us on social or at justworkit at atkinsonfoundation.ca.